With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe Rimmer and joining me today is Theo Squires. How are we, Theo? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Not too bad. The, uh, the tears have, have dried up a little bit now. Yours, Ghosty? Yeah, just about. Yeah. <laughs> just about. An emotional day as well at Anfield. Just yeah. I'm, I'm overworked. I'm tired. I'm emotional. It's all going on. It's all going on. <laughs> well, um, we'll, we will get into it. Just a few things before we start. We are live on Facebook and YouTube. So um, if you've got a question, a comment, an observation um, you want us to get to during the pod, um, just drop it in there. I'm keeping an eye on our YouTube chat and our, our um producer in is keeping an eye on the facebook chat so you'll send me any questions there um and also before before we go um our lfc app um is on a very special offer at the moment um you get six months free it's um it's ad free uh the biggest complaint we get on our website um is that the ads are awful they're intrusive they stop you scrolling they stop you reading um we know it frustrates us too um so I couldn't recommend the app more. It really is good. We actually had someone tweet tweet me yesterday or tweet the both of us in there yeah. um, saying that he downloaded it and um, I think he called it a godsend or something like that. But <clears throat> game changer, uh, game changer. Yeah, um, yeah, totally agree with yeah, that. Yeah, and, and it is really slick. It's really good. There's exclusive content on there, um, and yet no ads, and yet um, limited time offer until until Feb first. Um, you get six months free, so right past the end of the season and right in this time of talking new managers it's um it's it's appropriate isn't it? and we we will be covering that um every day i i often say this but nobody covers liverpool in more detail than us we send home away abroad everywhere and we are there every step and every kick of the way so yeah download the app and we'll stick that in the youtube comments and in the in the pod description if you're listening in the pod and in the facebook comments as well in fact if our producer ian is listening which i hope he is hopefully he'll do it for me um he's giving me a smile right so let's get to it um an emotional weekend. Uh, Friday's plans were, were turned on their head. Obviously, Paul, you and I did a bit of a snap pod, but I, I do fancy talking through some of the themes of that again yeah. uh, because I think a lot of people won't have listened or, Theo, you certainly haven't had your say. A lot of people just want to talk about Jürgen. They want to talk about next managers, so we, we will do that. Um, but it was an emotional day yesterday, Anfield, um, Liverpool 5, Norwich 2. Um Jürgen Klopp didn't want everyone to sing his name and didn't want it to be about the old man, as he put it yeah. on the sidelines. But it took about 57 seconds for yep. the cop to um, to say, no, Jürgen, just get on board. We're going to be singing your name a lot in the next yeah, few months. Yeah, I mean, um, he, he, yeah. he doesn't like it, does he, when they sing, I'm so glad that Jürgen is a red. And, and uh, that, that was a... 
a song that kind of came towards the back end of the 2021-22 season, wasn't it, when the people were going for all four trophies. Um, I remember them, I remember them saying it after the, I think it was Spurs game last season when they won 4-3. They were 3-0 up after 25 minutes or something like that, and they were belted, belted out for most of the game, and then obviously Tottenham got back into it. And it takes a Diogo Jota goal for them to, to make a 4-3. And he said after the game, he was quite angry. That was obviously the game where he'd done his hamstring in celebration and <laughs> had a little bit of a run-in with Paul Tierney. And he um, he took the fans on, didn't he? Yeah. He said, you know, don't be singing this, you know, sing it when games are won and whatever else, but don't be singing it during games. And, you know, even Jürgen Klopp <clears throat> probably doesn't have, you know, um, autonomy on what fans can and can't sing about. Um but you put that on him. They did, yeah. They did listen a little bit, um, but yesterday was it was always going to be aired, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And it took fifty six seconds uh, as soon as I heard that I can look to the scoreboard and it's fifty six. And Doyle said, "Thought it was fifty eight." Well, I said I saw fifty six, so we said, "Well, <laughs> let's say fifty seven then." So less than a minute to sing in his name. But other than that, they didn't really. Certainly, that was that was the only time they did it in the first half, and then they did it on the hour mark and then in the last five minutes and then a full time obviously went for it and it was just like a little nod just to to show their appreciation there'd obviously be loads of chance, chances for that between now and the end of the season but I think there's also a little bit of a, um, a realisation among the fan base that there's still so much to play for and still so much to go for that they don't want it kind of getting in the way and it distracting and it being a you know becoming the, the main storyline of the season so you know they, they kind of give them a little nod of approval, but um, didn't you know? Didn't completely go against his wishes, mm. um, and that probably would have been just the way he wanted it, really. Yeah, Theo. Just before kick off, there's obviously a video that ITV put out that, that went round when they were singing "You'll Never Walk Alone," and you see Jurgen on the sidelines, and I don't know whether there was a tear, but it certainly looked he was very close to it. Um, he looked emotional yesterday, and and to be fair, I thought he would have been more emotional in his press conference, and and perhaps in the in the few times we've seen him since. Um, I mean, he looked a bit emotional in the, the video the club put out, but he was kind of holding it back. But um, yeah, I think Saturday it sort of sorry Sunday um, it sort of hit him, didn't it, a little bit? Yeah, probably did hit home a little bit, but it's just something he's been thinking about for a while, and it's a decision he made a number of months ago. Now it'll be won't be until we get to May where it's really hitting home, yeah, and it's like yeah. he's on his way out. But he's done this before. He did it when he was leaving Dortmund, when he was leaving Mainz. And these are clubs where he spent seven years as a manager, mm -hmm. seven years plus when you include his playing time with Mainz. He knows what it's like when you do leave a club. And he has got that connection here. It probably means that a little bit more because he's left his home. He's gone somewhere completely new. He's been really warmly embraced by everyone here. He is an honorary scouser. He holds that in high regard. Um so yeah, he's gonna feel emotional when the time comes. But we've seen that a lot in recent years when you've seen so many great players leave the club. Um, but there's a lot of games, and hopefully a lot of trophies to be won before the tears come come May time. Yeah, I mean, I must say Friday. Um, obviously, you and I have, have talked on Friday, but sometimes you know, obviously, you work in the industry, you hear these, you hear rumblings, you hear rumours. Um, this was one, wasn't it? That really. It was a real shocker. I was I was yeah. in the our conference room with Maria, our editor, and we were having a chat and um one of the reporters popped their head in and she goes, um, Jurgen Klopp, Liverpool tweeted Jurgen Klopp is leaving. And I, I was looked at her and, and just for a second felt like saying, Oh, you've been out on, you know, like yeah. it'll be yeah. one of those Twitter accounts that's like LFCC or whatever and they've they've dressed it up and I was thinking, there's absolutely no way that they've just dropped that at like ten AM on a Friday morning and then 
we were like, seriously, seriously, yeah, yeah. Um, Liverpool have, have tweeted that, I ran back, and, and everyone was kind of like, it was a weird atmosphere because it wasn't really noisy. It sort of did get noisy in the five minutes or so afterwards, but it wasn't really noisy immediately. It was almost like a, everyone's taken a few minutes to take it in. Mm. Um, so, but, but I mean, you, you said before, Gorsty, um, he, he doesn't really want it to be the theme of the, the last few months of the season. But do you think that really hurts them? Because I think there's there's elements of Liverpool, and, and they, as they quite often have under Klopp, have embraced emotion. Yeah. Because he's an emotional guy. They're an, <clears throat> we're an emotional club. Um, and they've embraced that emotion and allowed it to sort of manifest itself into a brilliant journey and, and, and quite often success and trophies. Yeah, I mean, I, I think time will tell us ultimately how, how it does impact Liverpool. But I don't get the sense that they're going to fall off a cliff. In terms of them just you know completely collapsing, the because of the news. Obviously, he's known about it. Well, he told FSG didn't he in November, and he's still been able to get himself up for the December period for that run between late November and early January when I think they played thirteen games in total and everything has kind of stayed on course during that. You know, through to the Europa League, FA Cup, Carabao Cup final, top of the Premier League now by five points. So everything is is, is not only stayed on course but improved and, and got better and, and their chances of success look a lot greater than they do, did when he initially told Mike Gordon in, in November, whenever that was. Yeah. So um, he certainly managed to, to harness it in a positive way. And I imagine it'd be the same for the players, really, because you know Van Dyke was saying on, on Saturday, wasn't he, to the club's official site that we want to give the manager the farewell that he deserves. And you just get a sense, OK, they've only played one game, but you got a sense that... Um, Everyone will want to put in a real shift now between now and the end of the season. They're all, you know, Klopp's legacy is already secure with what he's won in the last five years. But there's a sense that if they have a, you know, a, a superb final third of the season now, who who knows what else could be added to it? You know, it could be a Europa League, it could be a Carabao Cup, an FA Cup, could even be the Premier League, couldn't it? So um, I don't get a sense that this announcement is gonna disrupt them in any way. I think if anything it's gonna put some wind into the sails of a team that has only lost once since early April in the Premier League. So yeah, um time will tell, but I don't get the impression that this news is gonna make the house of cards fall down. I really don't. No. I quite like the fact that most of the squad haven't spoken about it. Obviously Van Dyke did his interview with the club channels, which you want the official voice from there. And I think was it Robertson and Jones did ITV after the game yeah. yesterday. They're gonna get asked about it. They are gonna get asked and if they have to answer, they will answer. But the fact that there's nothing on social media at all, that they are all keeping it in house, they know this isn't the time to be getting upset about the manager. Yeah. There's a lot of games to be won. Saw um sorry to interrupt, saw not long afterwards, I think Salah, maybe it was on Saturday actually, but Salah put a picture of him in the gym. <laughs> the answer is <laughs> very See, like you say, it's business. But yeah, so like, would these most of this team have won the Premier League before? They've won trophies before, and yeah, you've got the younger generation there, the new signings. Mm. But when you've still got Van Dijk leading that camp, Salah, Robertson, yeah. Allison, Trent, they're not going to let standards slip. And it's like, right, focus yeah. on the football, focus on getting the results, focus on winning these trophies, yeah. and then hopefully we're something massive to celebrate at the end of the season on top of waving off the manager. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to get through some some questions and comments before we have a little chat about Norwich. Um, because I feel like the game might fade into the background a little bit in this pod, which is fair enough. It's only the FA Cup after all. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I mean, few questions and comments. First of all, and I think we're seeing a lot of this. Um, someone has said, Gorsi, 
what is the real reason Jürgen is leaving? His statement doesn't add up. Now, we're going to hear these sorts of rumours. We're going to yeah. hear these sorts, this sort of chat. But did you get any sense, any sense at all, that there's anything underlying here? That no. there's, there's any other reason than what, what Jürgen said um, in his press conference in <clears throat> the club channel? No, not at all. I mean, you know, he's... It's um, it's a job that's one of the most demanding in world football, isn't it? And mm-hmm. and I think it, there was kind of a crystallizer moment when he sat down for a meeting about pre-season and you know logistics and you know mundane plans really. And Klopp doesn't like the the long haul trips at the best of times. He understands that a club the size of Liverpool has to do these commercial obligations and they've got to fly to the Far East. They've got to fly to. Australia, you know, remember they went to Australia for an end of season friendly, um, or fly to America to just to um, help grow the the brand, as it were. He uh, doesn't like all that. He prefers the kind of week long trips in Evian or mm. South Eldon or, or um, the place they went to in in the summer, which was the in the Black Forest. He prefers that kind of trip. Um, so all that kind of takes it out of you, particularly when you've done it for eight years, um, and it was almost just like a bit of a moment when he thought. Have I got the energy for, to go yeah, again here, yeah. to do this again? And I think an unspoken aspect about it is the fact that he is a granddad now. You know, I think it was his son had had a had a son himself, actually, over the summer. Um, it's one of the first questions in the first press conference, wasn't it? Was it like being a, a granddad? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, he got asked, after the Brighton game, when it was the October international break, So I think someone asked him, you know, are you planning to spend your break? And he mentioned that he was going back to Germany to, to see his, his grandson. So he probably doesn't get to see him as much, you know, growing up. So by the end of the season, you know, that he will be, you know, nearing his first birthday or, or maybe past it. Um, and it'll just be an opportunity for him to, like he said towards the end of the press conference on Friday, live a normal life. You know, he said, I'm a normal guy who hasn't lived a normal life. And, you know, he'll ride off into the sunset with his legacy secure and money in his back pocket to go and um, enjoy his life as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather. And, just taking football from a different uh, perspective. So there's nothing else that seems to be underlying. There's no great fallout. There's no massive no. fight with the ownership over one or two things. Um, it is just a purely personal thing that the energy levels are, are kind of running low. I yeah. understand that completely. Like it does add up. If you look at the previous seasons where he was maybe thinking about going during the pandemic year, mm. obviously lost his mother, mm. he's away from home, he couldn't go back yeah. to the funeral, that takes its toll. He comes back, they nearly win all the trophies. If they'd won all the trophies, maybe he considers going at the end of that season. And then the next season where they drop off on Thursday, well, he knew what was coming on Friday and the rest of us didn't. He did say he knows what's coming next. If they go for all four trophies this year, the next questions are, are you going to drop off next year? Yeah. And like this team it is a lot better than anyone thought at this stage. It's Liverpool 2.0. But he was never going to be here at the end of that journey. He was just taking those first few steps with them to pass on the baton. And he is looking older than when he joined the club that's unavoidable that's you can see time. <laughs> that's size <laughs> you can see why he thinks it's a good time to walk away and i don't think anyone can begrudge him that he's leaving a team in a, a very good state for whoever takes over yeah. but he but he made reference to that as well didn't he he said if you'd seen a pitcher when i joined yeah. and a pitcher now you'd say it's that only nine years um and he, i think he likened it to dog years didn't he <laughs> um, yeah i mean it, I, takes, it takes its toll yeah I, I think people underestimate and there's going to be these sorts of rumors you, you always get that you know um it, it's just part parcel of football isn't it and, and i think we need to respect the the manager for being he's a 
pretty honest guy, isn't he? Mm. You know, um, the, the only thing, the only white lie that I think he tells week in, week out is that he doesn't read anything. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, he reads everything. But, but otherwise, you know, he's a pretty honest guy, straight guy, very emotional. And um, I think you can't, we love his emotion because that's who we, that's what makes him who he is as a, as a manager. And that's what, you know, has, has made him suit Liverpool so much. But the flip side is I always thought he would make a decision based on his emotions. And, and if he's tired, if he's not not particularly happy, then then that, that would come. And I always thought he'd do seven years. He did seven years at Mainz, um, seven years at, at Dortmund. And I, w- I thought he would do seven years at Liverpool because that's how he felt the natural progression would take him. But yeah. I honestly think that the point you made there about the, the, the season they went for four, you know, it took a lot out of everyone. You know, I know diehard Liverpool fans, um, you know, who, who it really, really took its toll on them, who, who thought, do we have the... The, the the emotion and the 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 the, um, the energy to go again after that you know like yeah. the highs the real low at the end this feeling of what should have been a season to celebrate was almost like a, a sad end to the season with the way it panned out and of course the events in Paris and I honestly think that if they'd have won things there he might have walked away and I think he probably did really think long and hard about walking away then but I think he probably felt like he should take them on and then last season was so bad at times that he probably felt duty bound to stick with them and, and push that, that's exactly why he's still the manager today because it, because last season was so frustrating i think if Liverpool would have had a good season last season you know however you define that really yeah i think he would got have. back in the champions league he might he might have um he might have walked away in the summer maybe maybe yeah yeah um, the last contract would have been up this summer anyway wasn't it the, it was yeah, a two-year extension yeah, yeah. so he obviously got caught up in emotion when he signed that anyway yeah. and he was like going yeah. for everything thinking yeah. oh this can't this could go on again and again but then when the reality sets in you realize you're a bit older you don't quite yeah. have that energy you're not going to be able to be here to complete the journey but you still revamped a lot of the squad yeah like i said it's a good time for him to go from his personal level it's, it's frustrating as it but as a fan because you, you don't want him to leave but but Always leave the people wanting more, and yeah. I, I honestly think that you know I, I love so, so Jamie Carragher. I thought they had a good retirement. He didn't go off and play for a different club. He, you know, he left. He left at a point where he still thought he could probably have done a, a year or two more. So especially when they yeah. shipped fifty goals the next season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a few other bits and bobs. Um, yeah. A lot of people talking Alonso. Uh, we'll, we'll come to manage. Actually, we'll talk Alonso if you don't mind a little bit later on. Um, Few few people saying Pep Linders, um, which I think is really interesting. Why why Pep Linders didn't stick around? Theo, do you get a sense that perhaps the club have either spoken to Pep Linders or just decided whether they've decided, you know, FSG that he's not the right man to take them forward? Because I was surprised initially when when the the news broke and it said all his coaching team, including Pep Linders, a lot of us assumed that Pep Linders would would maybe succeed Klopp. But them announcing that now suggests that maybe they've had a chat with him or they've just decided behind the scenes that he's not right for the job. I was surprised that that didn't come up more on Friday. I thought that might have been one of the questions asked of FSG, whether he could become a contender for the job. They, they did sort of ask him about that. They did ask Billy like Holmes. Why he's going, wasn't yeah, it? But it wasn't quite, yeah. could he be a contender here? Is this his time at Liverpool is definitely done? Yeah. Or when you're drawing up your shortlist, his name could emerge back on there. Uh, it's funny, like we're having this conversation now where if you want the continuity, you think, oh, maybe he would be a good option because they're playing well. He's obviously had a big impact on the change of formation, the new style, and it's working. But if we'd had this conversation 12 months ago, you'd almost be like, not good riddance, but yeah, he's not in that conversation at all because it was so poor and his book was blamed, his influence on the tactics was blamed. Um, It is more of a shock, I think, to see Matos leave out of all of them. Like Lindis has always said in the past, 
I don't want to be a number two forever. When Klopp goes, I go, and then yeah. that's it. I want to be a manager. Kravitz is Klopp's like assistant all yeah. the way through. He was always going to go. Whereas Matos was the one who essentially replaced Linders, didn't he? Is that yeah. bridgeway between the first team and the academy? And we're seeing how good a role that is. Greater yeah. than ever this season with so many academy players stepping up. He felt like he could be the one to bridge that gap again to make sure that the legacy continues. But maybe he's got managerial aspirations of his own. Or maybe he goes up the food chain himself. Like if Linders goes and becomes a manager somewhere, maybe he could be the assistant. He could step up again. Um, but then we'll wait and see what happens in the weeks and months ahead. Like Obviously, it's public now. Liverpool are going to be looking at targets who they want to take on the job. They've either had conversations with him and decided it's not right because you think you'd have that talk with him at the very least to say, look, you're not going to be in our thoughts or it's a conversation that's still to be had and he could maybe still have a chance of having an interview. But we'll wait and see. At the moment, he will be leaving at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I enjoyed one comment, by the way, who said, um, who said Pep Guardiola. <laughs> Forgive Pep Guardiola and then when City get relegated... <laughs> Because the because uh, <laughs> the charges were taken. No, Michael, I, prove you can I, do it without the yeah, uh, the Abu Dhabi yeah, billions. Yeah, prove you can do it without the money. Yeah, you know, Michael, I, I would certainly certainly take that. Um, when City get relegated, of the, course. The, the, the thing that's it's interesting is too, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> when um, when Brendan Rodgers left, Klopp was the the outstanding candidate, wasn't he? And, yeah. and I think Liverpool were lucky to get him. Really, you know, don't particularly remember too many others getting a mention apart from Ancelotti, Ancelotti yeah, yeah. Ancelotti. but other than those two that was it wasn't it now it's sort of like well you, I, I don't think fans I mean some fans might want Alonso some fans might argue for for whoever but I don't think I think it's you know I kind of this is this is who they begrudgingly accept to come in as opposed to the you know they absolutely definitely must have manager because yeah. They've got the manager who they, who they want, and um, that is going to be something that is going to be difficult as a transition. And at least with Alonso, he's coming in with a groundswell of support to begin with as a European Cup winning midfielder for, for Liverpool. Um, that offers him a little bit of um, not so much breathing room because I think Liverpool fans will massively get behind whoever replaces Klopp, but it's going to be massive shoes to fill, isn't it? And um, the comparisons will be there early on, I'm sure. It's quite a nice uh, change in what's happened under FSG. Like you've got their previous managerial searches when it's, oh, we'll go for Dalglish because we need a short-term option mm-hmm. and then they can't really go against the fans when he does well. Yeah. Rogers and Martinez were the two in 2012, weren't they? And I remember being at the time quite underwhelmed by that, thinking Liverpool deserved better. Uh, but when you get Klopp, it's like you want the best but you're punching it above your weight to get him in in the first place. Like if that was in the summer and you'd waited a few more months and you're going against, I don't know, a Bayern Munich, a Barcelona or something like that, you're not getting Jurgen Klopp. It was the right fit at the right time. Yeah. But now it's not you striving to get the best. It's you deserve the best. And it's like going back to maybe more. And you've got Rafa, like he's won the league titles, he's won European trophies. You've got a manager who could felt could take you to that next level. And have not really been in that situation since. It's just a shame that there isn't a standout world-class manager out there like you look at Alonso he could be in a few years mm. uh, but he's got to enjoy that journey with Liverpool or wherever he goes next I think it's tough isn't it? I think right now you're right there isn't many people out there you know that even when Klopp took over they felt like that was a time when there was so many big name managers you know like Mourinho was still a massive name, yeah. wasn't he, at the time? Yeah. Whereas now you wouldn't t- touch. Well, you might not have done Mourinho, would you? Yeah, you wouldn't touch Mourinho with a barge pole, would you? But at the time, he was he was such a such a big character, and and I think 
even Ancelotti, if Ancelotti was available, and I like Ancelotti a lot, but I'm not too sure whether I would I would go with him now. So I think I think Liverpool have got to take a bit of a gamble now. Um, we will have a proper chat about managers in a bit. I do want to just. I want to touch upon Norwich because it does feel a bit weird. It's sounding like Jurgen Klopp now. It's like know, every yeah. pre-match press conference. But before we do, Gorsi, it's seven minutes past 12, so we can talk yeah. Virgil van Dijk. There was some embargoed um, chat with van Dijk. Gorsi, you, you caught up with him in the mix zone yesterday. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, slightly worrying, wasn't it? Really, from him, um, wasn't wasn't totally committal, um, but yeah. yeah. So you can kind of give us a bit more context. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the interesting the interesting quote. He initially came over to to myself and, and a couple of others, and the first thing he said was, "I'm not talking about the manager." So you think, okay, well, how can we get around that? You're asking one or two things which don't be too close to that, but are enough, you know, kind of similar enough for him to to speak a little bit more on it. And then towards the end of the conversation, it's kind of just drifted towards his contract situation and. He's asked, will it be part of the new era? That's a big question. I have to say, he was laughing when, when he said that. You know, written down, looks a bit mm. bit worrying, but he was laughing. He said, I don't know. 18 months left on my contract. That's correct. Good maths. I don't know. The club will have a big job on their hands. That is well known. To replace not only the manager, but the whole staff. And there are so many things that will change. I'm very curious as to which direction they will go in. But that, when that, but that will be announced and we'll see our situation. I can't say too much about it. So... The, the very curious line was was interesting for me. I I got the feeling from, you know, talking to him and, and hearing from yesterday that it was more, not so much from his end. It was more well, I've got to I've got to see what what the club want to do, what the, the new regime want to do. As opposed to him just saying, oh yeah, I'm going to be staying, no problem, because with the best will in the world, it's not necessarily in his hands as much as we think that you know it should be with him being as good yeah. as he has been or whatever else. So. Yeah, that, that was interesting to hear from him. I think, um, obviously, Liverpool have also got Trent Alexander-Arnold's yeah. situation yeah. on the back burner and Mohamed Salah's. Um, these are massive players that you need to be getting around the table and talking about at a time when you're not even sure who the new manager or, perhaps more importantly, the, the sporting director is going to be. So yeah. there's, there's going to be a massive uh, power void at Liverpool in the coming months. Yeah. And those who are tasked with getting it right and sorting it out um, is probably the, the biggest biggest job that they've had. That, that's what I was going to say. I mean, the sporting director, we were all talking about Klopp, which is natural, obviously. But um, but Jörg Schmack, uh, I mean, knew he wasn't going to be there for, for a long term. But but that, Theo, is, is massive, isn't it, for FSG? Because the sporting director won't only shape the squad in terms of those contracts, but he'll shape the next manager, I'm, I'm sure. In fact, I'm I'm pretty sure right now the conversations obviously will be about manager, but there'll be big conversations around sport and director because they might want to give that person a chance to help choose the manager because we've seen before if sport and director are manager and and Klopp seems to he comes from a a country and to be honest, this, I'll come to this later. This is another reason why I, I quite like Alonso, but um. He came from a country where sporting director, working with a sporting director was pretty normal. normal so he yeah. had no issues with it. But we've seen before, managers and sporting directors don't mesh. Then you, you can have a... It, it doesn't work, does it? No, it doesn't. It's at least in Premier League terms now, a bit more modern. Like Managers do seem more accepting of it. We are going into that new stage and the younger managers, like at Arsenal, Edu and Arteta, they seem to work quite well together and... Alonso's a similar ilk, whoever you got in, he obviously has the experience there. But you do need the right man. You would like the sporting director in to at least have some way to bridge it in terms of these are the players we're looking at. 
But then you don't know what the manager is going to be in terms of what formation he wants to play, what um, his like preferred players he wants to keep, the ones he wants to bring in, who he wants to let go. There's FSG have probably got to take control here and go. We want to keep it as it is with youth players coming through. We would rather have a Jarrell Cranter in the team than giving you fifty million to go and sign Mickey Van Der Ven something like this mm-hmm. there's so much power here it's who emerges and yeah. takes that responsibility i've not seen too many sporting directors names i don't think like uh, there's been links with one at bournemouth is it richard hughes but it's like well how's that going to work with the new manager coming in it's about getting it all in order in the right order and mm-hmm. um, yeah there's so much uncertainty here but fsg have known since last summer that schmachter was likely going to be a year at best yeah they've known since november they need a new manager a new coaching team uh, you just got to have faith that they can do the searches the right way and get the right people in. Having done their, we used to make, made the most of their data and done all the research. Like they've certainly a lot stronger position now than they were when they were first doing these searches over ten years ago. When you were getting in Rogers uh, or Martinez and Damian Camoli, you feel more confident in looking at people that can make it a more consistent future for the club. Yeah. I also don't think you can second guess Liverpool that much anymore. Um, you know, we knew for years that profile of player that, that they were after the kind of money that, that they spend um, but you had York Schmacker on the, on the yeah. bingo card when I was talking about replacing Julian Ward you know he he was retired he just finished at Wolfsburg and retired in the February so you know he's, he's retired even before that season's over he's coaxed back out of retirement to sign a one year contract under the kind of informal agreements of it being a three month review um, and also, the way it kind of shaked out in the summer when they were going for Romeo Lavi and then pivoted to Caicedo for twice the money and then had to pivot again to Endo for, you know, barely a tenth of the price. You know, the, sometimes, certainly in the last sort of 18 months to two years, some of the decisions they've done have been very unlike Liverpool yeah. and what we've come to expect sort of in that Klopp-Edwards era. Um, so that's why I think it's a bit, little bit difficult to second-guess who the sporting director replacement might be or even how that structure might work with a, a new manager and, and who he, he might be so so many questions up in the air but um at the moment on the pitch things are ticking along nicely aren't they i think if they weren't we'd all be kind of saying well, what, what's going on with this club they're, they're in free fall but the results are ultimately what matter most and you can't pick holes in, in many of them of the last well, four months. What you can say is obviously there's been so much stability over the manager for the best part of a decade, but that will be another sporting director and what third, fourth change in quick succession. Yet whoever has been the sporting director, granted they're a figurehead, but the signings have still predominantly been spot on. We can have our questions about what actually went on in the summer in terms of Caicedo and midfielders going to Saudi Arabia in this, but you look at those four midfielders they got in now and you can't fault any of them. They're all really good signings in yeah. their own different ways, whether it was uh, making the most of a, a buyout clause, really good value. Endo's proved him to be a bargain. Gravenberch, yeah. you've got faith in his potential. Before that, sniff, uh, sniffing out a Diaz, sniffing out a Gakpo, getting Nunes, who's getting better every, every week. So the recruitment team who are still in place behind them, they're still pretty much the same. Yeah. There's still going to be some stability there. But you just need the right figureheads in charge. Absolutely. Um, we'll we'll talk about Norwich now. Um, Norwich. Before, yeah, Norwich. Yeah. Before oh. we do, um, 
loads of people watching um, live. Um, please give us a like, subscribe, and press the bell to get notifications. Um, it would really help support us. Um, with, How with... far off are we from you doing a TikTok dance or something for advertising? I'll, I'll do whatever ever you need. <laughs> not, not like you say, I won't just sort of grumble. I, I, if you need me to do a TikTok dance, Ian, if you're listening, our producer, I'll do a TikTok dance. That's what the people want. You give the people what they want. But look, more people have just started watching from when I've just said that. But yeah, um, yeah, give us a like and subscribe. Um, we're trying to go live quite a few times this week. And again, sorry, weekly basis from now on. But again, um, it's going to be such a busy period that um, I think some there should be some really interesting conversations to be had mm -hmm. on this podcast. So um, yeah, um, please do. Um, back to it. Um, who wants Joe to do a TikTok dance or... Theo, why did you say that? Um, yeah, just said um, you'll give the people what they want. I did well. just say, I did just say that. I'm a man of my word. Um, right, um, Norwich, Norwich, um, the Canaries, um, five two, good performance. Let's talk about some of the young players. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, okay, sorry, very distracted by talk of TikTok dancers. Um, Connor Bradley, I tweeted yesterday saying he's the new Cafu, and I know we've seen that before with John Flanagan, but he really is the new Cafu. Isn't he? I mean, <laughs> I don't, don't know if there's any doubt now. Yeah, I mean, four, four, four games in a row. I, I just love it. He, he combines like this busy sort of like uh, he's, he's so busy, he's, he's so tenacious, but once he gets into the final third, he's so clever in the way that he uses the ball in terms of whether it's a it's a lofted cross, whether it's a, a small little pullback. Um, I love the way he does that, and he gets into really good areas. Um, you know, is 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 the way he won the ball. He combined that all of that that I'm talking about for the Nunes goal, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. it it just it really fills me with a lot of lot of excitement. Um, over what he can achieve. Great bit of anticipation, wasn't it, for, yeah. for that Nunes goal? Um, yeah, two assists yesterday for for Conor Bradley. I thought yesterday was probably his best game yet, and he's he's grown in in confidence in the last few games, hasn't he? Yeah, it just looks to be a player with a really bright future. You know, he he went alone at Bolton and was sensational there by all accounts, but making the step up to Liverpool is is still a big task and, and a huge kind of daunting prospect for any young player. It's just a shame he had that injury earlier in the season, otherwise he'd have played a lot more and we'd probably be raving about him even more than we are. He would have played all of the Europa League, wouldn't he? Um, now you're looking at him thinking <clears throat> there's no real need to position Joe Gomez in there if Alexander-Arnold is injured or in midfield. Mm -hmm. I think Bradley has shown enough to deserve more starts, more minutes for certain games like Norwich in the Cup or Southampton or Watford in the Cup. You know, you imagine he's going to be playing now, isn't he, in the FA Cup right the way through till yeah. maybe the, the last of stages. Do you, would you start pushing Trent into midfield to play more Conor Bradley? I mean, obviously, there's bigger tests to come. But... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be forcing it upon the the side against Chelsea, for mm -hmm. example. But I think there are times when you can do it against certain teams, against you know, in certain competitions. Um, maybe a little bit too soon to be declaring them the the long term right back for Liverpool for the next ten years. But um, you just need to keep going in in the right direction. And, and we saw it with Trent and me a few years ago. You know, once these young players get a chance, they show you what, what they can do. And then over time, they establish themselves as, as mainstays of the team. Um, so four games in a row, he's certainly made hay while the sun's shone in yeah. Alexander-Arnold's absence. And um, yeah, when he plays now, when he's in the team, he, he, he wouldn't be a little bit concerned over that being a, a weak point, would you? Because he's, um, he's shown that he's... He's got plenty of talent. And James McConnell as well. I'm sure we'll come on to him, but uh, I thought he played really well as well. Let's come on to him now. Mm. 
Uh, do you want to go see a lot? Give Theo a go, yeah. <laughs> uh, James O'Connor, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, you sometimes associate a lot of young players being used with a bit of a, a transitional season or a season which maybe hasn't been as good, so they're trying people out. But, I mean, I, I, I don't know off the top of my head how many youngsters Jurgen Klopp has tried this season, but he's put in a lot... I mean, to a man, they've pretty much been pretty, been 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 good. Um, the Europa League has obviously helped with that, but yeah. James McConnell, really good performance, very busy. I thought, again, used the ball really well, and it speaks a lot to, and again, the Jurgen Klopp succession. It it speaks a lot to the way they've set the academy up and the way they've got them playing the same way as the first team. You're just seeing that that continuation on you when a player steps up and I thought James McConnell did that very very well yeah definitely like we've had conversations with the, the 21s manager and the 18s manager over the year and they're always talking about that continuity of we play the same way so these players know what it's like it's so easier for them to step up and now they're actually making that step up you can see the benefits of them that it's not it's taking a time to get up to speed they can just go straight in and hit the ground running um, McConnell he's probably not one you'd have placed right at the top of the list to be in that first team squad getting as many games as a Bradley or a Quancer. Mm. But he deserved his opportunity. He's done well in pre-season. He's obviously impressed in training behind the scenes. He's had a couple of appearances and it was a very enthusiastic performance from him. It was a brilliant assist. Yeah. The cross for Curtis Jones. Jones is making a habit of that far post run, but to still put it on his foot, put it on his head wherever for it to do it is, is superb. And it was he, a really nicely lofted ball. It was. You've got the perfect weight on it. And he works so hard in the field. You got a standing ovation when he came off, but some of the tackles he was putting in time perfectly. If he did lose it or he was chasing shadows, he still got back and made sure that they weren't left a short defensively. Maybe got a bit lucky to avoid a yellow card late on for uh, one very enthusiastic tackle, and it's a shame he couldn't do the 90 minutes, probably mm. cramp speaking through, um, coming through there. But it was a really promising display from him. It becomes an option as a number six. Um, whether he can be a long-term part in the first-team squad, we'll wait and see. It's still very early days from him, but there's so many good youngsters here, and you're just waiting for them to overcome injury and see what they can do. Like If Bradley hadn't got injured, he'd probably be in the same boat of Krantzer. It's rotating a little bit, with Trent going more into midfield for some games. Uh, Stefan Bacetic, how much would he have played this season yeah, if he hadn't yeah. been injured? Bobby Clark, like we've only seen a couple of substitute appearances, but Klopp's said himself, he is ready. We've just got to be able to yeah. give him the opportunities. He said himself on Bradley, he was glad he could give him the opportunities. Um, and we all know what happened with Kate Gordon being out for a long time. Ben Doak's out now. They've got some really, really talented players here who are ready, yeah. who've come through the academy, and they're following in Trent and Curtis Jones's footsteps of making that step up. Yeah, I mean, that's the other young player I want to talk about. I know a couple of difficult moments yesterday, but in general, I thought, again, he was very good. It was Gerald Quanta. Yeah. I mean, I'm at the point now where you look into the summer, I still think they need a centre-half, but that would be a matter of replacement now. Yeah. And yeah, I would yeah. look at it and go, Van Dijk, Kanate, matter replacement. Quanta, there you fall. You've got Joe Gomez who can play across the back four and you can drop into centre-back. But, I mean, Quanta just carries himself like a proper centre-back, doesn't he? A proper top-class. I mean, the way he uses the ball, yeah. I think, that, I think yeah. that's the biggest giveaway to me. He's good in the air and, he, and he's good at the defensive aspects of the game, but I love the way he passes the ball. I think that yeah. that is a, a skill that... It's it's hard to find for for top level centre backs. Yeah, and I remember seeing him at Bournemouth in the cup, and there, there was a period there where he's getting pressed quite a lot towards the corner, and you know nine out of ten defenders would have just smashed it up the line and got rid of it, and he kind of plays like a, a weighted left footed pass yeah. up the line to 
whoever it was on the day, possibly Gomez, and it's just it's just got Liverpool out of trouble and got them on the front foot. Yeah. It's just a nice little example of of what he's like in possession. There was one, sorry, there was one like that yesterday as well in the um, in the first half in sort of the right back area. I think Liverpool were pressed quite high, highly up the pitch and they looked a little bit in danger. But between him, Bradley, and I can't remember who else, but. It's just the the composure he showed to sort of move away from the the man pressing him and and, and sort of keep the ball and pass his way out. I thought was yeah. just it's not you know a lot of the young centre backs come in and they'll put it in the stand and you don't blame them for that because that but but he just seems to have that extra yeah. Class. And the thing as well is he's he's only twenty so he looks like yeah. he's ready now but he's he's only going to develop physically. Twenty one today. It's his birthday. He is actually twenty one today. Yeah. Birthday, general. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Big day. So it's you know he's nowhere near finished in terms of his physical development. Um, obviously, technical and, and tactical have got some way to go as well. So, yeah, Liverpool have got, have got themselves a player there, haven't they? And all of a sudden, you are looking at it thinking, you know, he's going to be a serious option, certainly between now and the end of the season. You don't really blink now when he's in the team, do you? No. Um, I, I'd play him against Chelsea. I mean, I don't think they need to, but I would play him against Chelsea. Yeah, you, you, would, you wouldn't, be, wouldn't be overly concerned yeah, at all. Not um, at all. He hasn't really made any major mistakes. He's just yeah. very calm, confident. I think <clears throat> I think Van Dijk was saying after after the Burnley game possibly that he's better than he was at, at that age and and that mm-hmm. you know that might be a little bit hyperbole or, or a little bit kind of Van Dijk playing down his own ability, but it's it's quite a thing to say, isn't it? He says of Canate as well, but I can possibly believe that a little yeah. bit more of Canate. Yeah. You know, he's a little bit older, isn't he? But yeah, Liverpool um I've got in in Gomez as well, he's only twenty six. Canate and Kwanzaa, three very young players with yeah. massively high ceilings. Yeah, and, and another young player who's not quite as young, but I just thought continued a remarkable season as Curtis Jones, which I think I think when when we were speaking about him a few months ago, I think you'd see you know comments maybe on the pod or on articles and in our own office, so I won't name his name. <laughs> um, but but some people quite critical of him. But I think the more this season goes on, the more and more he looks like someone who's... He's not a young player trying to force his way into the side anymore. He is a fully-fledged, first-choice midfielder. And yesterday, again, he, he played like... You know, he obviously had some young players around him and he played like a proper senior player. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, at the moment for me, he's the the first name in that midfield. Yeah. Like he's definitely coming on leaps and bounds, and you wonder how much more developed he would be if it hadn't been for yeah. when he gets the untimely injuries or the suspension. But he's playing with such confidence at the moment, and he's really growing as a leader in this yeah. squad for someone so young. Um, he's just got a bit of everything, doesn't he? He's got great runs in the box. He times it perfectly. He's got a finish on him. His pressing is really good. He like, leads the press yeah. along with Elliot when Elliot plays. Uh, he gets back. He wins the ball back. He's just hides, and I think that is that's massive. You know, certainly in in a three man midfield, you need someone who's able to to take the ball with back to goals, take the ball, and relieve pressure. To and, and he does that so well. I think, I think that is such an underrated part of of that midfield. You know, Wayne Alden used to do that really well. He, yeah, he's he always had a bit the comparisons there, isn't he? In yeah. terms of how we can shield the ball as well. It's just funny when you think back to the summer when they were being linked with all those players who were playing at the twenty ones Euros, like yeah. Kone and Saram. Yeah. I did it a piece tonight, almost. Yeah. In cheeks, and yeah. they've already got the best midfielder at the tournament, yeah. Yeah. and it just grew yeah. in stature as he went along yeah. and won in that. But yeah, he's come on even more for Liverpool this season. Um, 
maybe you'll get that full international recognition soon but who cares if he does as long as he keeps doing it for Liverpool and yeah. you, if they play what Chelsea in the League Cup final they do play Chelsea in the League Cup final you would expect him to start that game yeah and final word on the game Gorsley before we talk um, I really want to talk um, names in the frame um, for manager um, Jotter and Nunes I mean mm. What, what a, you know, Sally goes off to the, the AFCON and then picks up the injury and, and you're just looking at them too. Nunes, you, you're looking at him saying consistency. Jota, you're looking at him saying, you know, get back fit and play games and score goals. Um, and they've both just done that, haven't they? And Diaz has played very well as well. But I think those two have really, you know, the, the shot that hit the post yesterday. From the oh, yeah. Right? Lucky then, that, isn't it? Yeah. And, and then <clears throat> great finish. And then Jota's finish was just, it's just lovely. Just every every type of goal, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, six goals in a week for, for those two. Um, adding to that ever-growing tally of the front fives overall contribution. Yeah, I mean, all you can ask of them is that they can they score goals while Salah's not here, and you can't really argue so far, can you? Um, was three games, mm -hmm. six goals. All four have in his absence, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jostas was a wonderful finish, really, off his left foot. Yeah. Um, I know we'd, we've spoken loads about kind of his calibre as a finisher, Purely as a finisher, I think he's Liverpool's best finisher by far. It was interesting to see the, the debate become a little bit wider last week, wasn't it? After Carragher claimed that he was, you know, was up there with like Robbie Fowler and whatever else, and um, a few others, Liverpool's top finishers. He's just, um, I thought he was quite quiet yesterday. You know, very Jota esque kind of flits in and out of the game, but then he said it at half time, didn't you? Yeah, and then, then he gets half a sniff there and absolutely buries it, and yeah. it's just a, a brilliant goal. And and Nunes as well, just building on on that performance against Bournemouth the week earlier, um, took his goal well. So unlucky with that one, the, yeah. the kill. The... I like that he's played Nunes' consistency through these games because yeah, you just yeah. want him to keep getting goals. Yeah, you? Yeah. you want him to just in his own head and just, elsewhere just get, get the those, tally up. Yeah, yeah, yeah get just, that tally up. Yeah, but it's funny though because. I had more faith in him with that one that hit the post than the one that he scored yeah, from. Yeah, um, yeah. And the, the one he hit the post from was back to goal, spins yeah. on it, 25 yards out, kills it against the post. And the other one was, you know, take a touch and stick it away. But, yeah. Um, well, my mate texts me this. Like, if you look at the, the first one against Bournemouth, that's two shots where you'd expect him normally to just leather it straight at the keeper yeah. or put it wide. And he's actually been really composed and just rolled it in the corner. Yeah. He's learning. He's getting better. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe that says a lot about, about us being a little bit unfair on him at times. But, um yeah, I, I thought the second one against Bournemouth was really good, actually. Yeah. He, he knew the, he couldn't do much with it. He just had to get something on it and divert it back across goal. And, um, yeah, he's um, he's in good form, isn't he? And ideal going into Wednesday night because... Um, and Sunday. Yeah, I mean, Sunday's huge, isn't it? But Liverpool, I just hope Liverpool, the, the game on Wednesday isn't a kind of Manchester United-style board draw where they're content to sit yes, in and, yeah, and Liverpool yeah. get flustered by it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout. Um, we'll, we'll, I want to talk runners and riders for the manager job, but, but first, before they do that, let's just quickly rattle off a team and, and a prediction maybe for, for Wednesday night. Like mm. you say, with Chelsea, they're just such a... I mean, I, I don't even know what to expect from them. Um, you know, what they, they've sort of finally sort of picking up a bit of form, but they still managed to lose the middle room in there. And mm. I just don't know. You don't know what type of Chelsea side's going to turn up. And no. I never think no. Liverpool versus Chelsea games are easy games. I thought I thought a point away at the start of the season, albeit what happened afterwards with the way Chelsea's form went. You know, it, it looked maybe a missed opportunity, but I thought it was a good point at that point in time. Um, but yeah, I don't know what to expect from them. Pick, pick a team for us, Theo. Obviously, Alisson goal. Who's your back for? Um, Canate and Van Dijk at centre-back. Uh, 
Joe Gomez can keep his place at left back. I think you've got to be a bit gradual with Robertson's return. I know he's had that sub appearance there. Yeah. Uh, the debate on Trent. Do you throw him straight back in when Bradley's playing so well? Bradley's playing play so well, isn't he? But I think I'll go for the experience of Trent, yeah. but I wouldn't be too sad if he didn't. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that defence. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that as well. And, and you mentioned it, but you don't know what Chelsea side you're going to get. Mm. Um, in the big games this season, they've actually done well, haven't they, to beat Tottenham? Obviously, Tottenham had injuries and men sent off and that, but... Um, it's a wild game, that, to be fair. Yeah, they, they should have beaten Arsenal. They kind of allowed Arsenal to get back into it later on. Had that crazy game of the season draw with Man City, didn't they? Yeah. So, so they're generally doing okay in in these big games. Um but yeah, that that'd be by Mac Four. I think um, I would pick Trent over Conor Bradley. You'd, I mean, Conor Bradley's been brilliant, but I, but I think it's just don't forget before Trent got injured, he was playing ever so well and and real class. Yeah. And I thought yeah. Newcastle game, he was excellent. So yeah, um, that would be my back four midfield. McAllister, things be okay. I hope so. Um, you you were in Klopp's press conference yep. when you did the update on McAllister. I'm not not too sure what what his state is, but if he is, then yeah, he, he was brilliant against Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, and that is kind of the yardstick of of what he needs to do in, in that position. Yeah, Klopp was saying that if it was like the last game of the season or a cup final, he probably plays. But at this point, you don't want to take any risks with him. Yeah. He said he felt something, and they didn't want to know anymore. It's yeah. like, fine, you're not playing. Yeah. Yeah. Have a have a weekend off. Yeah. Uh, if he's fit, he starts there. If not, you put Trent and keep Bradley in. Um, and then it's what Jones and Sabosley. I think so. Yeah. 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 That's, that's that's your midfield, isn't it? Definitely. And then up front, um, I mean, you're either you two going to argue with Diaz, Nunes, Jota? No, no. I mean, <clears throat> there's not too many options, is there? While Salah's not there, it's it's. You know, four into three, and, and I don't think Gakpo had his finest hour yesterday. I feel like he's been a bit unlucky, Gakpo. He struggled times. for rhythm this yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, he's still, you know, still again. If God forbid, there's an injury, I wouldn't mind him playing. But I think, I think he doesn't get into that three um, when when the others are fit. Um, quick prediction, and we will. We're not going. We usually end on this, but we're gonna we're gonna talk managers. But but quick prediction, Gorsty. I mean, it's. It, I can't remember the last time these two had a draw. We were talking about it the other day, and, yeah. and the, the one that we settled on was Liverpool beating them in September that, that 2018. It wasn't a draw, yeah. Yeah, draw um, yeah, yeah. In normal time. That was with the fans, wasn't it? Because there were two in the pandemic, yeah, with no fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think Liverpool to sneak it 1 0. Charter. Yeah. I'll go 2 0. Let's be confident. Yeah, I, I feel 2 0. I, I think. Look, I mean, you're right, they've done well in big games, but there's no reason why Liverpool shouldn't believe they can beat this Chelsea team. I mean, yeah. what, what, the, I, I sort of have in my head that they're mid-table, but they may have they may have, um, they may have, improved a little bit, so let's just double-check. Well, with no uh, Europa League they, they in March. They are ninth. You know, I, I think, you know, Liverpool played Newcastle at home, they're tenth, and they beat, them, they beat them comfortably. I think they should be thinking the same about Chelsea. Um, you know, they have like European night vibes. Yeah, they've been beat eight times this season. It's an evening game. I, I think Liverpool should should fancy themselves to beat Chelsea quite comfortably, and I, and I hope that they do that. Um, right, runners and riders. Obviously, you and I discussed our our preferred options um, um, on Friday. I am still sticking with Xabi Alonso for the mm. time being. Um, <clears throat> see, Leverkusen drew at the weekend, but but remain top of the Bundesliga. I'd still argue that. Look, obviously. There's a lot more, but but Klopp won two Bundesligas. Obviously, got to the Champions League final, won won some cups, got Mainz promoted into the Bundesliga, and went back down with them. Um, if you look at Alonso, 
he's, he got Real Sociedad B promoted, went back down with them, and then he possibly could win the Bundesliga. Obviously, he's not as far along as, as Klopp, but that bodes well. It's not far <laughs> far off what Klopp was doing. Um, so I stick with him. I think, think he'd got the emotional connection. I think you get someone's going to need an emotional connection to, to give them time, especially following following Klopp. So that's who I'd go for. Um, the Sporting Lisbon manager um, is in the frame, um, as is as is Brighton's manager, Roberto De Zerbi. Um I mean, that seems to be the calibre of manager that's in the frame. Um, mm. You still st- you sticking with De Zerbi? No, I, I, I wasn't necessarily saying I want Roberto De Zerbi as Liverpool's next manager. It was yeah. just... Obviously, he's just playing devil's advocate, really, and just talking through the yeah. the runners and riders. It's not a field littered with with massive options, is it? Really, uh, even if if you're looking you're looking across European football, you know, Xavi's just been yeah. sacked as Barcelona manager, hasn't he? And they're not they're not too many clubs with you know all singing all dancing managers, are they? Obviously, Manchester City, but that. Liverpool never going to be getting their manager, but aside from that, Arsenal have to take a gamble yeah, on, and, on, a, on a number two, didn't they? And there's, there's plenty, yeah, exactly, yeah. And there's plenty of similarities between Xabi Alonso coming to Liverpool and Mikel Arteta at Arsenal. I think Arteta's doing a really good job. I think sometimes he divides opinion for whatever reason, but he's got them playing. He's got them as a serious club again, hasn't he? Um, they were broken before he took over. Yeah, he, like, yeah. Really unified them. Yeah. So it, you know, I can see the, the similarities there, but. Um, it's there's just not any one really outstanding managerial candidate, is there? And I suppose this is where the club will lay in the corner or the people at the club. But um, yeah, I wasn't necessarily nailing my colours to, to the Zerbi mast. It was more just different talking about really. I probably would say Alonso mm. at the moment. Um, but um, it's it, like we say, I don't think you can properly second guess Liverpool anymore. A few people throwing Thomas Frank in there. I yeah, like Thomas, I, I like Thomas but, Frank, yeah. But yeah. I, I don't think I think he'd need another club. I, I, I think Thomas Frank's one of them where if he went to Tottenham and did well, mm. then we, we we might talk Thomas Frank. But but I think Liverpool have put themselves again and and again if Liverpool were in sixth place trying to challenge for the Champions League like they were when, when Rogers came in, okay. But but I think Liverpool have put themselves to a level now where you know they should be able to take the Tottenham manager, for example. So I, don't, I think Thomas Frank needs another job. Are we all? You can say that about Alonso, but if he wins a trophy, then maybe. Yeah, are we all sort of a little bit more aware of of the other employees of clubs these days? Whereas years ago, it was yeah. very much just the manager yeah, and yeah. What, whatever the results were, were down to him. I mean, ultimately, I suppose they are, but you know, certainly now you you, you know who these technical directors are who. These influential coaches are behind the scenes at other clubs, not just Liverpool. So yeah. it's not necessarily the manager being this kind of autonomous, yeah, you know, yeah. oracle who know, knows it all. Is it that? That's a very much a kind of old style picture of them in, in the Alex Ferguson, Arsene Wenger mold. It's different these days. Um, yeah. So I, I, maybe that kind of plays into the fact that there's not this one big, massive, outstanding candidate. Um, right, you look at the big names who are available with the best CVs, it's what, Sedan, Mourinho, and you wouldn't want them. You want someone who's maybe a bit younger, and it is a, la- a gamble if you go for Alonso, but because he's at that stage, it's another legacy appointment, someone who can really come in and carry on for seven, eight years like Klopp if he has successful times. And it feels like because they're such big boots to fill, you need to be someone who's already got a little bit of a connection there so you get that bit more patience from the fan base. They can see you trying to work it through because like Liverpool could realistically win three, four trophies this season, 
and then finish fourth next year. And that's not necessarily mm. a bad thing. It's just really realistically win four trophies. I said three or four. Three or four. Oh, do you want so, me to some season down yeah. downgrade it to two, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Someone's asked about Posta Cobblu, um, Anthony Green. Um, I said that's too early, isn't it? Yeah, well, he said exactly that. He said he's old and be, be an amazing fit, but that's what got me the other day. Mm -hmm. um, Anthony Green is Australian, so he, he said he may be biased. I think you are, Anthony. Although I do, I do like, I do like, yeah, Posta Coglu. I, I, I like him. Yeah, he's a yeah. fun guy, but but that that got me the other day. I think Doyle said that in the office he's older than Klopp, Did he? and we were all a bit like, well, really? But yeah, um, I do think someone a bit younger, someone saying has Van Dyke done his badges? Could he be a Dowd? <laughs> but you just don't see that anymore, do you? No. Um, Gordon, 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 style. Yeah, I think, I think if, you know, <laughs> playing himself every week. We could have that conversation if, if perhaps the whole backroom staff weren't walking out. But, but I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the um, the sporting manager Ruben Amarin. Amarin yeah. I think I pronounced pronounce that right. A few people told that about him, but I don't know about Portuguese managers. I kind of think like it's such a hard league to judge that that unless they're doing something like really breaking up the. I think he was at Braga, wasn't he? he? Did well with them. Am I right in saying? I'm not sure actually. But uh, but uh, look into that one again. Liverpool will do their homework on how he plays his style, <coughs> management. Talk up for me, Theo, because I'm gonna. <coughs> Often split the top. Yes, was one, wasn't he? Portuguese <laughs> manager who came with loads of pedigree to Thanks Chelsea. Save me there, Gus. I think it's been 20 years since Mourinho walked in to Chelsea. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really kept up to date with, yeah. with Sporting too too often. I'll obviously live with looking at yeah. one of their key defenders, aren't they? Uh, and Usman Diaz. Maybe that's but... the only reason the name's Conan there, because you could take a, a defender with him. Mm. But like flipping with a couple of their players, but you still you feel like you want something a bit more proven in the higher leagues i think don't forget what one thing that will be going on behind the scenes is real homework into you know their style of play you know you know i read i read something on the athletic at the weekend about alonso that his, his side plays a slightly shorter style of play than, than liverpool playing a few longer balls out to the wing but but i think look you, you're gonna have to accept that you're not going to get a carbon copy, so your, your style of play will will evolve, will change. Alonso and, is and also, flexible, though. Good managers are flexible, and they, you know Liverpool don't play the exact same way. They take the main principles, but they don't say, play the exact same way that the, the Dortmund team play. They play a different setup, a different formation. So managers evolve, don't they? Um, it's just come to me then, actually, the fact that Liverpool announced that Schmacker is leaving in February as opposed to the end of his one-year contract. Does that mean they want to get someone in early doors to to run the rule over the over the incoming managers? That's, that's what I said. You know, you would expect so, wouldn't you? You'd expect. Yeah, because otherwise you could have just left him working away behind the scenes towards the. Like you could have done the, the um, Noah, Julian Ward job of oh, I'll get the first one in the door yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think they want all that streamlined. I don't think you want a sporting director coming in after a manager and then having that awful thing where the sporting director doesn't work with the manager yeah. for any for whatever reason you want sporting directors coming with their own ideas and and not necessarily to choose the manager but to certainly say you know we can i can find the right players or the right personnel to fit around them maybe the so, bill will outsource what needs to do into michael edwards and ian graham's company that they've uh, they found yeah yeah, yeah that's that could be their first uh flagship job, couldn't it? Yeah, maybe, maybe. maybe. Soccer Norsts, just... something like that it's called. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I can't remember the exact name, but... Yeah, just You're definitely going to... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to be all over news now with that local yeah. journalist. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, Theo, we, we've sort of given us who we like. You've not really given us a who you like, so give us no, a... No, mine, mine's Alonso. Alonso. I mean, you, you need that Alonso. connection there. 
I like what he's done with Sociedad, with Leverkusen. Like the fact that he came from what relegation fight, yeah. he turned it around so yeah. quickly. It is still early days in his managerial career, but he's worked with so many legends, hasn't he? Like he's yeah. going to have the knowledge there. He was always an intelligent player when he was younger. He's got that aura about him. And he, he is versatile. Like I believe he played like four at the back at Sociedad. That's become a five at yeah. Leverkusen. But he works to his players' strengths. Uh, he's got some really talented players there. He's in Liverpool link with emotional connection as well. Uh, he, he can he could make the leap, and you'd give him time. You'd have confidence that he could carry it on. But then you always say that when it's the leading name, when there isn't yeah. any other names. Like if there's someone else came out, oh, they're holding interviews with him, then maybe you feel a bit of an affinity for them. But at the moment, Alonso is still an old. It's, yeah. it's the, the biggest job of Mike Edwards, is, uh, Mike, Edwards Mike Gordon's yeah, yeah. tenure as, yeah. as FSG president and the facto day-to-day Liverpool owner, isn't it? He's the one who got told, who, who Klopp told initially. He's the one who kind of um, liaises with Klopp yeah. more than anyone else. And um, he, you know, I, I think it's fair to say Tom Werner and... John W. Henry are not as as tuned in into the day to day running or just generally European football no. as a whole, but Mike Gordon is, and um, he, with the help of the fine scientists in the uh, behind the scenes and whoever else on the, the staff, I've got to get this one right. Well, do you know what? I wasn't going to do any more, but Mickey, one more has put in one more, which I think perfect name is is really good. Where does Alex Inglethorpe fit in the scenario? Um, will he leave to the link between the academy and club? Very friendly with Jürgen. I mean, I, I think that would be such a big blow if if it was to be announced that Alex no, Inglethorpe just stepped Didn't he um, yeah. sign a new contract last year? Yes, yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I they kind of run kind of. Parallel to one another, really. That, that's why Vita Matos was such a yeah. such a key figure. He, he was the, the connector, as, as they love to call him and refer to him as. So, um, I don't think I've seen anything in the way of Alex Inglethorpe potentially moving on. But um, he's going to be crucial in the setup, isn't he? Yeah, he's got you know how long is it? Over a decade of, of experience in the academy ranks. You know, we've overseen the the promotion of so many players How- not so not necessarily into Liverpool first team but to, to Premier League star them and, and whatever else so yeah they, I mean, they need to keep hold of him I think I remember the amount of changes didn't you Frank McParland was there yeah, the, yeah. the um, Pep's assistant the um, what's his name the the, the, the Burrell Burrell Rodolfo uh, Burrell yeah, Pep Segura yeah. Pep Segura what was the uh, Piet Hamburg Piet Hamburg do you remember him Dutch sure. fella Lock him up, mm. he was there. Um, <laughs> they got through a few the, reserves the, managers, didn't they? Under as well, yeah. sort of like John McMahon, Gary Ablett. Yeah. yeah, so so yeah. I think it is, it's been brilliant what Alex Inglethorpe has done. He's brought stability, he's he's made that academy tick and work, and we're seeing the real benefits of a, a long term strategy. So I really hope he doesn't leave. So thanks for that, Mickey. Um, it's going to be a fascinating few months. It's going to be a fascinating mm-hmm. few months. Um, so I'm going to repeat. Yes. Please like, please subscribe. Please tune in for more of our live videos. We'll be going live as, as often as we possibly can. How many likes do you need for a TikTok dance? <laughs> many, many likes. I'm not going to put a number on it. We don't, don't need to put a number on it. Um, but yeah, like, subscribe, press the bell. Um, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, wherever Threads. you're watching. Sorry? Threads. Threads. Threads, if, you want to, if you're still doing that. Um, that's still your thing. Um, Thank you, Anthony Green. Um, he says, thanks, guys. Um, and yeah, uh, LFC app, I can't recommend it more. There's a really, really good offer on it at the moment. Um, six months free. Um, premium app, no ads. None of those pesky ads ruining your, your reading experience. So, so 
please go away and get it. And you can listen to these pods on it. Um, and they, they sort of, you can listen in the background and all that. It's, it's a really good podcast player as well. So um, thanks very much. We'll see you again this week and hopefully talk after the Chelsea game when um, Liverpool... Chelsea deadline day, by yeah, the way. Chelsea deadline day, it's all going on. There's lots, lots I need, I need the week about. off. Yeah, I only just realised last week that the Chelsea game isn't deadline day. I thought we were having to do it all in one go. No, no, no. Right, thank you very much for listening. Um, See you soon. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.